If you brought your Bible this evening, turn to uh, John, Gospel account of John, the third chapter, and the first epistle of John, 1 John, fourth chapter. John 3, 1 John 4. Anybody ever heard of John 3.16? Hmm? You mind if I preach to you about it? You think we've ever exhausted all the light and truth from any verse of Scripture? Or is there more there that we haven't seen? John chapter 3 and verse 16. Have you found it? Anybody know what it says? What does it say? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Thank you, Lord. Do you believe on him? Do you have everlasting life? And how is it that this came to happen for you? Go back to the start of the verse. Because why? Because God loved you. That's how it came to be that Jesus was sent and he came and he paid the price for your sins and mine. And you and I had the privilege of existing and having a life and finding out that we needed a Savior, and receiving the Savior, and being born again, and all things passing away, and all things becoming new, and having an eternity we're looking forward to of ruling and reigning with Him as the sons of God. Where did it all start? Front of the verse. Where did it start? For God so loved the whole world, and you and I are part of that. I want everybody to say, God loves me. God loves me. Say it again. God loves me. Say it another time. God loves me. Why are you saved? God loves me. How did you get born again? God loves me. Why are you going to heaven? Because God, God loves you. God loves me. Thank you, Lord. Verse 17. Verse 17, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now, an understanding of this one verse would eradicate all kinds of unscriptural teachings and practices and beliefs and confusion. The Spirit of God is not a condemning spirit. Condemn means to judge guilty and deserving of punishment and judgment. And how much preaching and how much teaching in how many churches throughout the earth has had some element, a little or a lot, of condemnation? Hmm? Condemnation. And how many Christians 
have ministered condemnation to their spouses, ministered condemnation to their kids, trying to shame them into obedience or compliance. Shame on you. I've heard Christians say it adamantly. Shame on you is absolutely devilish. Shame on you has got nothing to do with God and everything to do with the enemy. You might want to just remove that from your vocabulary. Shame on you. Because God does not want shame on you. He wants glory on you. He has not... If the Lord had wanted you and I condemned, all he'd have had to do is nothing. (laughs) Nothing. But he came into the world not to condemn us. Not to make us feel guilty. Not to shame us. I don't care what you've done. He's not pleased with sin. He's not going to tell you sin's okay. But nor does he want you to feel guilty about it and ashamed of it. He wants you to repent. He wants you to get free and let him clean you up and let him make you right and whole again. Have you ever heard, well you're holding a place in 1 John, just go on over there right now. And before you read that uh, fourth chapter, we'll look at the, uh, the third chapter. Have you ever heard people come out of a service or come away from reading a book or hearing some kind of a sermon or something and they said, uh, boy, you know, the Lord really condemned me about some things when I heard that, when I read. Have you ever heard that? That's also unscriptural. (laughs) In order for something to be scriptural, what do you need? Scriptures for that. Right? In 1 John 3, you'll notice this in verse 20. 1 John 3, 20, are you there? It says, for if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. What's condemning us? The Holy Spirit condemning us? No. No, our heart is condemning us, not God, not the Holy Spirit. A correct word to use for what the Holy Spirit is doing is conviction, not condemnation. And conviction is from the word convince, convince. What the Holy Spirit, Jesus talked about when the Spirit has come. He would convict and convince. And what that is, is he will, he will cause you to see what is right, what is truth, what is good, what is light. Now in the light, you're liable to see some stuff about you that ain't so good and ain't so right. And when you see that, your own heart will condemn you. But that's not the Holy Spirit condemning you. That's your heart. In fact, I have found 
That if my heart's right, if I'm willing to repent, that even if my heart is condemning me about something I did wrong, the Holy Spirit will comfort me. He'll comfort me. Even when my heart's bothering me about it. And if you'll have faith in his love, and what did he say? If we'll confess our sins, what did he say? He's faithful. He's just. He'll forgive us. He'll cleanse us. And if you'll believe that, then your heart will stop condemning you and you can get free from your past, from your sins, from your failures. You can get free. Aren't you glad? It's why Jesus paid such a terrible price on the cross. That's why he did what he did. So you and I could no, no longer would have to be sin and condemned and guilty and shamed, but we could be forgiven and cleansed and made righteous and made free. He's been made unto us. Wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption. We've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. We've been made it. Made it. Oh, hallelujah. And if you'll believe it, you will get free, my brother, my sister. You will get free. And I don't care what you did. Somebody said, well, you don't know what I did, preacher. I've had people look at me and go, you don't know how bad I've been. You don't know how mean. You don't know the low down, dirty things I've done. And I look right straight back and said, yeah, and you don't know the power of the blood. Because there is no sin greater than his blood. I got more faith in the blood than I do in any sin I've ever done or you've ever done. Somebody said out loud, I have faith in the blood. Who? thank you, Lord. Go on over to the fourth chapter, please. First John chapter four. Y'all believing with me this evening, aren't you? Just exactly what we need coming out. First John 4, and all this passage is good and wonderful, but we'll start in verse 16. First John 4, mm, I need to back up a little bit. Uh, how about 12? No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he's given us of his spirit. And we've seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him and he in God. I think every one of us ought to do that right now. I mean, either confess him. Again, or if it's the first time, you can get born again right in the chair where you are right now if you have not been. Everybody said out loud, I believe in in Jesus Christ. Christ. I confess confess. he is the sent one. He is the the Christ, the the redeemer of the world. world. And I confess him him. Lord of my life. life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible said you do that and believe God's raised him from the dead, you'd be saved. 
Thank you, Lord. Keep reading. He said, uh, verse 14, we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. And whoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love. And he that dwells in love dwells in God. And God in him. Herein is our love made perfect. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. When you're born again, you're in him. He's in you. You are one spirit with the Lord. And we'll be that way forever. Verse 18, there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Now perfect doesn't mean flawless. It means fully developed. Completed and fully developed love. Perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. Have you found that out? Every one of us in here have had fear. Maybe you not didn't have fear in this area, but over in here, this area, you did. Fear. Fear, dread, terror is tormenting. It's anguish. It's, it's one of the worst conditions you can exist in, in, in on the earth or beyond. I believe it is the atmosphere of hell. Fear. Take any fear you've experienced on the earth and multiply it I don't know how many times and that's the very atmosphere of hell. But on the other hand, God's the God of peace. Oh, the peace that passes understanding. And I believe that is the very atmosphere of heaven. And I believe in our future with him, there's absolutely no fear. No fear, no dread, no sorrow, no crying, no death, no dying. We don't know what it's like to be in a place where there is absolutely zero fear. We've never been there, but we're going to find out. I said we're going to find out. (laughs) You looking forward to it? Now, this is the passage that I have on my heart for tonight, and unless the Lord directs us something else tomorrow morning, hope you can come and be back, and possibly tomorrow evening. There's truth here, there's revelation, there's light and life and help. I just know in my spirit, there's some areas that folks have been struggling in, and the answer is right here in this word. There's some folks that have been dealing with fear. And dread. Maybe it was about your future. Maybe it was about your marriage, your family, your kids, uh, your money, whatever it is. Uh, Read that verse out loud for me again. Verse 18. There is what? If you developed in the love of God like you should be, how much fear will you have? Zero. None. No matter what's going on round about you, no matter what's going on in the world, in the government, in the economy, 
with anybody, the company you're associated with, no matter what, if you're walking and operating in full love, you'll have zero fear. Now, a lot of times when people have heard this, they have limited it to walking in love with each other. When they hear that, perfect love casts out fear, they're thinking, well, if I walk in love the way I'm supposed to, all my fear will be gone. But that's not the context. It's a part of it. But back up and read the context. Verse 16, we have what? Known and what? Believe. Let's stop right there. Knowing something and believing it is not the same thing. We have known it, and we've what? We have believed the love that we have for each other. No, no. The love what? That God has to us. That's what he was talking about when he said perfect love casts out fear. Being fully developed. In knowing and believing that God loves me. Are y'all with me saints? I want you to say it again. God loves me. Say it again. God loves me. Me. He loves me. Revelation of this. Knowledge and revelation and believing and receiving this will set us free from any and all fear. And if we get rid of the fear, we get rid of the torment. We get rid of the vexation. We get rid of the pressure. Come on. And with no fear, our faith just soars. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Reckon what had happened when you got zero fear and full of faith and all you can see is how much God loves you and your faith is working by that love, then faith then is the victory that overcomes the whole world. I think so many have have run past this entirely too quickly. God loves you. They go, yeah, yeah, I know that. No. Uh-uh. <laughs> no. We need revelation. We need to be fully developed in knowing and believing the love that God has for us. Look at it again, verse 16. We have known and believed. The love that God has to us. Known and believed. Uh, Why don't you go with me to uh, John 16. God is love. Isn't he? Does God love you? He is love. And love loves you. Did you get that? God is love. Not just he has love, knows something about love. He is love. I 
I'm intrigued by people that tell about dying and going and coming back. And one of the things that I've kind of made it a study, and it's interesting to me that people uh, in Africa and Europe and the U.S. and South America, young, old, all kind of different backgrounds, are telling the same things. They died, and they saw this amazing light. I mean, you hear the same kind of thing over and over again. And they left, and they looked back, and there's their body. And then they saw this amazing light. And as they got closer to the light, they experienced love like they have never experienced love. Well, God is light. No wonder they see a light. And He is love. Can you say glory to God? And He love loves me. You can't be any better loved than when love loves you. (laughs) Not just somebody loves me. Love loves me. (laughs) Somebody ought to say it out loud. Love loves me. Say it again. Love loves me. Another time. Love loves me. Love loves me. Love loves me. I am loved because love loves me. Mm-mm. That was worth you combing your hair and coming out tonight, right? Right there. If you just go meditating on that the rest of the night and week in your life. John 16, look at a couple of verses because we, uh, we need to establish what this means. The enemy does not want you and I to see this. This is so powerful that it is more powerful than anything he can do to hold us down and hold us back. The enemy is darkness and hate. He's not life and light and love. And the only way light can function is in the absence, excuse me, darkness can function is in the absence of light. You never walked into a room that was pitch dark, reached over and turned the lights on, and saw darkness roll back about halfway. And begin to struggle with the light. And you had to wait there for a couple of minutes to see which one was going to win. And whether it was going to be dark. No, 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 no. The only way dark can be there is when light is not. Because when the light comes in. You know, you could bring 195 railroad cars full of darkness. And bring them by here and one by one pump all that darkness into the room here where the lights are on. And you would never know it. Because darkness doesn't compare. And does not compete. And can't struggle with. And can never overcome light. 
And so the enemy wants to keep us ignorant. He wants to keep us in the dark because once the light comes in, nothing he can do. You know, you think about somebody getting born again. I don't care what kind of terrible life they may have had, what kind of terrible person they may have been. If the light comes in, the gospel, the good news, the gospel of Jesus, and they see that they're lost, they see he's paid the price, they see that he loves them and he did this for them, and all they have to do is believe and receive it. It doesn't matter if all of hell wants to keep them from being born again. All the devils in hell cannot because that light has come into them. Can you see that? And it's true with every one of our lives, believers' lives. When the light comes in and faith comes in from that light, the enemy can do nothing to stop us. So he works so hard to keep people confused and keep them blind and keep them in the dark. And John 16, are you there? John 16, 27. Jesus said, For the Father himself loves you. How many take Jesus' word? What did he say? Jesus said the Father himself loves you. Is God's word God speaking to us today too? Say it out loud. The Father himself loves me. Jesus said the Father himself loves you because you loved me. Do you love Jesus? And you believe that I came out from God. You believe Jesus came out from God. The Father himself loves you. Go to chapter 17. John 17. Just over the next chapter. And 23. John 17, 23. Jesus said. I in them. And you in me. Jesus is praying to the Father. That they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know. That you have sent me. And you have loved them. Talking about his disciples, talking about believers, talking about all those that would ever believe on him through their word. That's us. You have loved them as you have loved me. Now, it takes faith to believe that. Because our head doesn't fully have that. And... Your mind will tell you and the enemy will come and try to convince you that that cannot be so. Because Jesus never sinned. Jesus never displeased the Father. Jesus never rebelled. He was never disobedient. How about us? Jesus never put off and procrastinated. Obeying the Father. He never drug his feet for three days or three months or three years. He always pleased the Father completely in everything. So how is it possible that he could love you and me? How? Read the scripture. Have loved them as you have loved me. If you try to figure that out. And you lean to your own understanding. You won't believe it. You'll reason this and and reason that. But faith doesn't have to understand. Faith is a choice. Say it out loud. Faith Faith is a choice. choice. Believing is a choice. 
You ever heard somebody say, I just can't believe that? That's an untrue statement. Don't care who said it. If a person says, I'm sorry, I just can't believe that. That's a, an untrue statement. There's no such thing as a person that can't believe something. By very nature of what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. That's what faith is all about. When you don't see it, you don't understand it, you haven't experienced it yet. That's where faith comes in. Faith is a choice. The correct way to say it, instead of saying, I can't believe it, the person should have said, I choose not to. That's accurate. I choose not to believe this because you could if you chose to. Because faith doesn't require understanding. I said, faith doesn't require understanding. You hear people that consider themselves to be so intelligent. and They consider us to be simpletons and, and fools. And they, because they have education. And they've read books. And they understand science. And as far as they're concerned, God doesn't exist. And there is no God. And this and that. And they're very uh, pleased with their own intellect. And the Bible says they're fools. <laughs> they're fools. And every one of them will realize really soon, in just a, more, a few more days, their life's going to be over. They're going to be out of here. And they're going to realize, as soon as they get out of here, that God is very real. <laughs> and it didn't make any difference how they berated and what they talked and what blasphemies they spouted while they were here, it didn't change the fact that God has always been here and they were just a passing through. Are you with me, friends? No. It's a choice. I can't believe all that Bible stuff. I can't believe all that faith stuff. I can't believe all that Jesus on the cross. No, I, I, I just can't believe. No, you choose not to. You could if you wanted to. Evolution. The Big Bang. This is not proof. Both of those are theories. Are you with me? There is no consensus in any scientific community in the world, never has been, of how things were created and how they got here. Nobody knows. In the scientific community. All of these things are theories. A theory is a fancy word for a guess. It's a guess. <laughs> yeah, but it's an educated guess. Well, if you were that educated, you wouldn't be guessing. You'd know some. <laughs> so what people do... They have chosen to believe those unproven concepts. It's faith. They have faith in Big Bang, evolution. Whatever. They have faith in that. It's not proven. They have faith in it. And to say they can't believe in this, they've proven themselves wrong. They believe in that with no proof. 
We believe in this. Without being able to prove it scientifically, whatever. All true science agrees with God. It discovers truths in his creation. But faith is a choice. Everybody say faith's a choice. And what did our text say? We have known and what? And believed what? The love that God has to us, for us. It's a choice. It's a choice. I was counseling a young married couple. Oh, this has been 20 years ago plus. And they were sitting across the desk from me and they were in distress. And uh, she was really upset with him and he was upset. And, and I was trying to see if I could help him some way. And, and uh, finally she just said, well, he doesn't love me and, and he thinks I'm ugly. And he looked at me with the most tortured look. He said, Brother Keith, it ain't so. It ain't so. He said, it's not true. I I love her. I think she's amazing. I think she's beautiful. And she looked at him and said, you're just saying that. (laughs) And he looked at me and went, no, I really, really. And he told her, he looked at her and told her again, I love you and you're beautiful. She said, you're just saying that. Now, This is a perfect picture of not believing the love. Are y'all with me, friends? I talked to them for a while, and after some delving into the situation further, I believe he was telling the truth. He really did love her. He really did think she's beautiful. But she's choosing to believe thoughts that the enemy's bringing to her who hates her, who's the enemy of her soul, instead of somebody who really does love her. So she is not believing the love. And this is one of the biggest problems in the earth, in the body of Christ, is not believing the love. The devil is a liar. He's a deceiver. He is the accuser of the brethren. Are y'all with me? And he will accuse you to God. And he will accuse God to you. And he will accuse you to me. And me to you. Have you found out? He is an accuser. And what is he saying? Did anybody remember about Job? When the devil came and accused Job to God. What did he say? He said, does Job serve you for nothing? You put a fence, you put a hedge about everything he has. Now, if he's touched and this happens to him, he'll curse you to your face. What's he saying? Yeah, it's a lie. I mean, you read the rest of the book and and Job made some mistakes, but he repented. He He really did love God, didn't he? He really did believe in God. So the devil's a liar. Wasn't he? But he was laying it on that, yeah, I mean, he hits some hard times. Some things go wrong with him. He will get up in your face, God, and he will curse you. He will denounce you. He is just in here with you because of what he's getting out of it. You're protecting him and blessing him. And long as the blessings are rolling in, yeah, he's your buddy. But you watch. He comes up on some trouble. He will leave you like that. 
Now, the reason I'm saying this is because this is how the enemy operates. Whether he's accusing you to God or you to me or me to you or God to you. He really doesn't love you. Because if he did, he wouldn't have let this happen. Or he would have done this. Or he wouldn't have done that. And even though Christians so many times don't say it, that thought is there. The enemy brought it and they let it stay. And they ponder it and they think, well, yeah, why did that happen? And the devil is there to say, why did it happen? You made confessions. You made confessions. You said this. They prayed for you. They did that. You sowed seed. You tithed. You did this. And this came up. And where was God? Where was he? What's he saying? He's saying God doesn't really love you. Does he even know you exist? Much less care. It's not enough. Y'all are too quiet. It's not enough to just believe in God. Go to Hebrews 11 if you would. James tells us, he says, do you believe in God? He said, the devils also believe. Didn't he say that? The devils believe. Well, are they saved? No. They believe and fear. But they don't love God and they don't believe in God's love. They believe God exists. They believe he's powerful. They believe he's righteous and pure and they're afraid. And there are too many church going people that are too much like that. They believe in God. They believe he exists and they believe he'll get you. There's quite a few people tithe like paying off the mafia. (laughs) Protection money. (laughs) Like people come by and say, you need some insurance. You go, no. And they go, yeah, you do. (laughs) What do you mean? Bad things happen around here. You know, fires and people get their legs broke. But... If you send us a payment every week, we'll be sure and watch out for you and protect. Well, what they're saying is they're the ones going to hurt you and burn your place down if you don't pay them. Protection money. Racket. And there are people that think, hey, man, you better get that tie check in. God will get you. I mean, you know, your transmission will quit. Your dog will die. Better give God his money. Or woe, woe, woe unto you. Well, that's believing in God and it's being afraid of God. But it's not living a New Testament Christian life. Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world. But he came that we could be saved and we could be free. And he came because God so loved us. Say it out loud. God loves me. God loves me. Say it again. God loves me. He loves me. 
He loves me. Man, it'd do us good if we'd just go the rest of the evening and all night and tomorrow, just every few minutes, just say, God loves me. God, God loves me. 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 He loves me. He loves me. Why? Because I assure you, you are not fully developed in that. You have not arrived, and I have not arrived in fully knowing and believing that. And how would we know that? Is there any fear in your life? Proof positive. You are not fully developed in this. How does faith come? It comes by hearing. And faith in God loving you, how would that come? By hearing about how God loves you and you can hear God loves you coming out of your own mouth can't you the devil is a liar he's a deceiver he's a condemner people don't they don't express it all they don't say it all but they're carrying guilt and shame and fear And they are not expecting certain good things to happen in their life because of things they've done in their past and mistakes that they've made. They just are sure that, well, you know, if a person was holy enough and, you know, then maybe that would happen for them. But I'm just an average, maybe not quite average. (laughs) I'm just... And the devil will help you out. You pause a minute and he'll give you some more. He'll say, you are a pitiful excuse for a Christian. And, and if you start beating yourself over the head, he'll say, no, let me help you. Uh, and he'll take the little hammer and put a sledgehammer in your hand. And between him and you, you'll beat your brains out. You, by the time he, him and you get through with you, you'll have absolutely no confidence. And you will not believe that. How could God love something like you? If you just make it into heaven some way, somehow, it'd be a miracle. But to expect anything down here, you don't believe the love that God has for you. It's key to our overcoming. It's key to our victories. It's key to us receiving. Why? Because faith is the victory that overcomes the whole world. And faith works by love doesn't it yes we need to walk in love with one another but he's not just talking about us walking in love he's talking about us knowing how much God loves us we need to meditate on it we need to hear preaching on it and teaching on it we need to confess it we need to sing about it yes Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible has done told me. So, there's reason why some of these little songs and choruses have become so popular and permeated the earth and are still with us generation after generation. God has put his finger on it and he wants our babies singing that as soon as they're old enough to understand anything. Why? Because this is one of the most important things you could ever get in you. And we must not assume we got it. 
I know that. Oh, I, yeah, brother, I know God loves me. Not like you need to. Not like you can. In, uh, where, where are you? Holding the scripture? <laughs> Hebrews 11. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> Verse 6. We said it's not enough to just believe in God. The devils believe in God. You got to go beyond that. What did this say? Without faith. It's not challenging. It's impossible. To please him. For he that comes to God must. You must believe. And he mentions two things that you must believe. Number one. You must believe that God is. He exists. He's real, and he's God. He is. He's not a figment. He's not an imaginary. He is. He is. Not he was. He is. Anybody believe that in here? You believe that he is? But you can't stop there. See, the devils believe he is too. It ain't helping them. He is. And you must believe that he is a rewarder. Now, reward is not punishment. Reward is something you want. Reward is good. Come on. Good. Good. You got to believe that God is real and he exists and he's almighty and he's all powerful. He created the heavens and the earth and everything that's in them. But you got to go beyond that. You got to end to believe in what kind of God he is. What kind of God is he? He's a God that if you draw nigh to him, he will draw nigh to you. Yeah, come on. If you reach up. He's going to reach back. If you seek, he's going to cause you to find. If you ask, he's going to answer and give. Come on, come on. If you seek, you're going to find. If you knock, it's going to be open up to you. If you reach out, if you trust him, he's a good God that loves you and will respond to you. Now, if you say, well, I just don't know if I believe. I'm agnostic. <laughs> Ooh, that's a fancy word for going to hell. <laughs> I know people don't like that. But if it's true, they need to know, don't they? <laughs> it's an unbeliever. I just, I don't know. If God would prove to me that he exists... Well, you're not God. You don't get to say how it works. He told you if you would believe, you'd see something. And you're saying, well, if I see something, I'll believe. It doesn't work that way. The psalmist said, I would have fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You hear folks say, wow, seeing is believing. That is absolutely not true. If you're seeing, there's not the opportunity for believing. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. 
No, faith is not seeing at all. Faith is a choice. I choose to believe. I hadn't been to heaven. I hadn't seen the throne. The Bible said no man has seen God. This side of it. But he's there. The book said he's there. Says the throne's there. Says describes it in detail. How many have made up your mind? I'm not on the fence. It's there. I believe it. How do you believe all that? I choose to. It's a choice. Somebody said you're poor simpleton. Hey, let me alone. I'm happy. I'm happy. And if you're right, I didn't lose anything. If I'm right, it's not about who's right, it's about what's right. And this book is right. And the truth is that he exists and he is a good God. He is a rewarder. Somebody say rewarder. He's a rewarder. He's a reward. Reward is something good. Hmm? You don't slap somebody and take something away from you and say, that's your reward. That's punishment. Reward is something good. You get the prize. You get the blessing. You get the increase. The promotion. The advance. Is it true God's a rewarder? He's a rewarder. How much does God love you? This is the question. Don't pass it off quickly. We need to meditate on it. Tonight and tomorrow and the next, we need to keep thinking about how much does God love me? How much? How far does the love of God, when he thinks about me, when he looks at me, when I come to his mind, how does he see me? How does he feel towards me? Do you believe the Bible? Or do you believe how you feel? You got more faith in God's love for you or in your own sin and failure? Do we have more faith? Do we believe stronger in our failures and shortcomings to disqualify us, cause us to forfeit things, Or do we have more faith in the love of God and the mercy of God that we get to enjoy even though we have come short? Somebody say mercy. 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 You read in the scriptures in the gospel accounts, people came more than once to be healed. And they said, Lord, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. What does it mean, have mercy on me? Have mercy on me. What does that mean? You ever heard somebody complaining and going, what did I ever do to deserve this? That this happened? What did I ever do to deserve this? You really want the answer to that? The answer is plenty. Plenty. The answer is if you and I got what we deserved, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. So if we got what we deserved, we'd be broke, sick, confused, no peace, no help, no supply, no needs met. We'd die prematurely and go to hell. 
if we got what we deserved. So I don't want to talk about what I deserved. I want to talk about mercy. Mercy means I don't get the punishment I deserved. And mercy means I do get the blessing I didn't deserve. Why? Because God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord. Do you believe stronger in your failures, your ignorance, your sin, your disobedience to keep you back and hold you down and cause you to live a substandard life than you do the love of God? Is the love of God greater? Anybody remember the old hymn? Grace. Grace. God's grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace. Grace. God's grace. Grace that is greater than all my sin. Somebody say, I believe it. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, we ought to just lift up our hands. Right now, where you sit, just lift up our hands and thank the Lord. Tell him, say, thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for the grace and the mercy that is greater, greater than everything I've ever done to hold myself back and mess up my life and hinder myself. Your grace is greater, greater, greater. Your mercy is greater, greater than all my sins, than all my failures, all of my mistakes. Greater, greater. I have more faith in your love than I do my sin. I believe stronger in your grace than my mistakes. Glory to God. Thank you. Come on, thank him some more. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, I'm so thankful, so thankful, so thankful, so thankful, so thankful. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.